At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to a 15 and 60. First time we're doing this of just looking at all of a team's young players and how they've progressed uh, over the course of the season. We're going to do pretty much every young player that's relevant in the Eastern Conference. And the way we're going to do it is just look at some of their key stats, uh, how they've developed compared to expectations this year and assess where they are now and, and where we think they uh, are going and where they fit into the team's future. Real briefly, uh, obviously there was news over the weekend. Danny and I were at the game where Steph Curry sprained his MCL that's considered a grade two sprain he will be out at least three weeks he'll be reevaluated right at the start of the playoffs apparently so in all likelihood they won't have him for at least a part of their first round series perhaps even their second round series if they make the second round uh and then perhaps even more importantly Kyrie Irving had a stabilizing wire removed from that kneecap that he fractured in the 2015 finals uh it was deemed a minimally invasive surgery but could still miss three to six weeks Kyrie has never been the fastest healer either and so again playoffs start three weeks uh, from yesterday as we record this and you would have to imagine that Kyrie is going to miss at least part of if not all of the Celtics first round series and they more even more so than the Warriors are certainly in danger of not having a second round series if he is unavailable to play we'll talk more about that tomorrow let's get into the 15 and 60 we're going to start with with Liam's team, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, should be a very interesting one here. Uh, so who did you want to start with uh, on the Bucks here, Liam? Sure. So the Bucks, I think you got to start with Giannis. Um, he's 23 this season, uh, 27 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, five assists per game. And as you know, we've all seen Giannis, we probably know a lot of his strengths, but just to put some numbers behind him, he's great at finishing at the rim, 72%. He's got a career low in turnover percentage, so he's getting a little bit better at um, making decisions with complicated defenses guarding him. And he's only assisted on 45% of his shots, which is 97th percentile for wings. So he's obviously creating a lot of his offense. Outside of the paint, he's struggling. He, the, the jump shot hasn't developed you know, quite the way you want, although it's getting a little bit better. So uh, 30% from three, it's a career high. So if he can start making that a little more reliably, even if it's not that versatile, he becomes much better off ball and that will help some of the team's spacing issues. But he's also elite at getting to the line, offensive and defensive rebound. He's great at just so many things. And one thing I wanted to take a look at this year is that he's playing much more of his minutes at power forward he played 65 percent of his minutes as small forward last year and this year it's just 10 percent and at small forward uh, the net rating for the team when he's on the floor at small forward is negative 11 and the offensive rating is 100 defensive ratings 111 well if and i can break in forward, there the net ratings uh 5.5 yeah, if i could break in there uh sure i assume that cleaning the glass probably the reason for that is they have jabari as the power forward and Giannis is the small forward when those two play together and uh, we talked about this a little bit on the last show that 
that those lineups with uh Jabari and Giannis have not been very good that's that's my guess were you able to glean that uh I did not get a good look into that I know Jabari's only played I think uh like 21 games so I'm sure that's some of it and I'm sure that does affect it because Jabari's numbers aren't good uh specifically defensively so that, that, I think that definitely factors into it but I think there's probably something you know outside of that as well yeah but I, I, I guess or if, I guess if he's it. playing with Toledovich as well that probably would make him uh, the small forward but I think I, I think there's something there just in that you know he is better defensively as a power forward uh where he's able to protect the rim a little bit more you know if you're asking him to get around screens on the perimeter he's not really that good at that and then uh obviously the lack of shooting on offense is something that uh is a major concern when he's at, at small forward yeah the, the fours in in Giannis at three lineups are Jabari and Mirza Toledovic so that's that is where it goes and just to build off what you said um as far as the rim protection I, I think that definitely helps out and especially defensively he's actually when he plays power forward and center those are some of those some of their better um defensive rebounding lineups and defensive rebounding is just such a problem with this team with some of the bigs they have you know john henson thon maker so i think that definitely you know improves their defense overall and so i guess overall i mean it, you guys talked a lot about Giannis in your top 10 player podcast you know last week but i mean is there anything you guys want to touch on that you think i haven't hit on or anything else you want to add on to what you've already said about well him? i mean let's just how would you say he's developed compared to what your expectations were for him coming into the season well, i think you have to be pleased um i think he's gotten better in a lot of areas and there and the, i guess the optimistic thing is there's still a ton of room for growth i think in, in a lot of their possessions he was you know catching in the high post mid post low post and he's dealing with some doubles and some of it's the spacing issues they have with the team and that teams were you know totally ignoring eric bledsoe but i do think he could get a little bit better at reading those double teams and the, the problem he ha- might have in the playoffs is you know if teams if the bucks are going to play those lineups with bledsoe and you know henson or some other questionable shooters then teams are going to be able to pack the paint you know go under force him into those mid-range jumpers and he's not a good mid-range jumper shooter right now i think he's at 34 percent and if he's taking those off the dribble like that's a win for the defense every time so i guess it's not so much a criticism of him but if he does want to you know reach that like top five player status he does need to develop that jump shot more to be able to deal with lineups that are you know not as good spacing wise but i I think you have to be pleased overall well and just to hit on one more thing before we move on to, to jabari parker you mentioned his shooting and he actually 30 percent is the highest he's been in the last four years but as a rookie he actually took a lot of threes and you remember there were 15 and 67 that season uh and had the number one seed in the lottery when they drafted parker uh he actually shot 33 percent from downtown that year he totally has reworked his form since then he used to kind of shoot like a set shot off of his shoulder um but it wasn't thought necessarily when he was a prospect that he was going to be a non-shooter you know i think he he actually was able to shoot this set shot three-pointer and they really kind of reworked it because i think that that jump shot didn't have enough versatility to it uh and while that's enabled him to get more shots off in the mid-range and you know when you see him just shoot around from mid-range in practice it goes in a ton uh he has not been able to translate that to the three-pointer whether that's a mental thing because jason kidd was like no you can never take them or whether he just you know isn't a good enough shooter from there yet but it is going to have to happen at some point at least the solid mid-range shooting you know if he doesn't ever become a great three-pointer that's not the end of the world to me but you know he's got to take those mid-rangers at the end of games especially with the lack of spacing and he's unable to hit on those shots yet but he still 
has time to improve that shot it's a little bit worrisome though that he hasn't made slightly better strides you start to wonder about like all right is this something that really is ever going to get to being a solid part of it his game i think it probably will but you have to question that with the slow pace of growth so far one other quick point i want to make is that i'm not completely sure with Giannis, like i am with harden and curry for obvious reasons whether his presence alone is going to make a team a really high-end offense his value is very different from that but Giannis has the potential to become an even more impactful offensive player through that shooting and also just i think having more logical surrounding talent eventually it's going to be hard because milwaukee doesn't have a ton of team building tools left but i think that's going to be the key that's a team building tool It is a team building tool, but that like that's good and, and potentially get if they can theoretically get off of the last year of Toledovich, that could end up being really significant for them if they can get it excluded rather than rather than having to stretch it. But I think he's never going to it's very unlikely for me that he's going to reach that level like Curry and, and Harden where it's like, OK, getting him in the right system, you're going to have a top five offense, but they can be better on that end than they have. And I think defensively, they figured out that his best position is playing the four, though that's hard because there just aren't that many threes in the league. Yeah, I think the lineups with him at center they've started to go to those a, a little bit more the those the numbers on those have been pretty solid and i think part of why we maybe are still underrating him a little bit is the bucks been disappointing this year but it's very important to note that the bucks have not been disappointing when he's actually been on the floor you know they've been played at the rate of of a uh, over a 50 win team when he's been on the floor i think his net rating when he's out there it's plus 4.5 yeah okay so pretty pretty close to a 50 win type of team and then they're you know 10 points for 100 worse when he's off the floor and that's uh that's not his fault i mean there's that game a game in orlando where he played 40 minutes and was plus nine and they lost by 10 you know i mean the, the they have games like that um so why don't we move on to jabari parker who's played a, a mere 21 games uh, this season uh jabari at, at still only age 22 going into restricted free agency sure so obviously you mentioned 21 games this season and he's coming off the injury so it's it's tough to judge some of these stats but i tried to pull what i could so 57 percent true shooting percent He's still a pretty efficient scorer. 16 for 40 from three over in 20 games. Uh, so that's about like two per game. So obviously a small sample size, but it's a good sign that he's at least, you know, hitting it decently and taking them at an okay rate. Uh, the defensive rate, you know, problems are, are pretty real. I mean, his awareness is pretty bad just as far as zoning up on the weak side when they, you know, shift their defense way over. I, I, I do think he might be able to be a little bit better in a defense that ask him to, you know, think a little bit less and like make all these complicated rotations that Bucks have been known for. But the defensive rating is one. 14 with him on the floor and 108 with him off so obviously he's not helping at all and the big problem there is his defensive rebounding he's 14 percent defensive rebounding 16th percentile for big so as nate's mentioned that's a huge problem for him and the team defensive rebounding percentage overall drops with him on the floor so it's not like a case where he's just boxing out and other guys are getting it yeah um, it, that's definitely not if i can case. elaborate on that uh, real quickly liam uh it, that's always been a problem for his career is defensive rebounding part of that is because he plays out on the perimeter a little bit more but he never actually like moved moves towards the ball you know i mean he'll if a shot goes up and he's guarding someone at the free throw line he just doesn't go towards the basket to go get the ball which is a shame because he is a a great grab and go guy they have Giannis, they have him if you ever actually got a defensive rebound he, he's great at pushing the ball down the the other team's throat uh and i mean especially with the defensive rebounding weakness that their centers have henson and maker in particular as we'll get to you know just having him out there i mean that really gets them back to just getting completely destroyed 
destroyed on the defensive glass Giannis really has to get uh, every rebound and it's just it's all just a lack of effort I mean he doesn't move he doesn't go towards the ball I mean it's not a question of okay he's going towards it and he just can't jump and get it you know I mean he doesn't move he doesn't jump I mean it's something it's something that you would think that some coaching uh, could help him with and uh, some of the reports that there's uh, a bit of a fracture between him and the organization you know maybe that doesn't help uh, in that regard but it's something that he desperately needs to improve on and something that he could improve on very easily if you know he simply did it you know i mean that's not even a question like oh your technique is that bad it's just oh i'm gonna go towards the basket now when a shot goes up yeah and and like you said i I wonder if um you know obviously he's an upcoming free agent so i wonder if another team says well obviously he was unhappy and you know he didn't you know maybe his effort wasn't as great with the bucks but we put him in all our culture you know he'll be way better so i don't know teams are operating with a lot more information in regard to you know character concerns and stuff like that than we are but it's i'm I'm definitely curious what to you know what he gets in free agency and if there is a fracture with the bucks organization they don't really have much you know cap flexibility going forward so i wonder how much they do want to pay him do you you guys have any idea what his market is because just thinking about him you know with his high pedigree he still has a lot of scoring skills he's still a pretty efficient scorer then you throw in the injury history you know obviously the huge defensive weaknesses and you know restricted free agency like how much does that pull down his market i mean i i have no idea what he's like what type of offer he's going to get i mean do you guys have any yeah clue? danny does anyone come to mind to you as someone who's going to make him a big offer or could no if this if this was 2017 there would be some teams that are interested but i mean like think about chicago he is exactly what they don't need you know even if you want to play oh marketing in the center him, him and levine like, together defensively would be just a disaster. right like and they, Th- that they doesn't mean they won't do it somebody though, like that but... <laughs> and 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 jabari and jabari and miles turner would be really fun offensively but just would exacerbate a lot of their defensive problems yeah. if they thought of him as like the thaddeus young replacement yeah. so but maybe, maybe like really atlanta would do could... it you know i mean i think there there are teams that just you know have the cap space phoenix you could see maybe yeah uh, i mean they're the, the parallel yeah the parallel could be that players who are highly who are highly regarded as prospects and then for whatever reason like harrison barnes was a good glue guy for the warriors but like the mavericks believed in that he could do it in a different system the difference is that barnes was in 2016 when there was just a ton of money and it, it only takes one team but that one team has to actually have space do you think he or aaron gordon would be higher in most teams hierarchy i think gordon would in no small part because of the injury yes. concerns i mean with gordon you pretty much you you, you you're not going to pencil him in as a star but you're going to pencil him in as actually playing and that has plenty of value for teams two other things that i've seen with which oh yeah i, I would yeah, agree go ahead, I, i'm sorry oh sorry i was just gonna say i think teams would uh you know believe in aaron gordon's defense more than they would jabari's and i know aaron gordon's hasn't been good but they would think maybe if we can get him in a winning situation like he has a history as like a high character player not that jabari you know isn't but like i think teams might take a better look at gordon than otherwise uh a couple of the notes i had on jabari one is his individual defense which had gotten slightly better before the injury he is just i mean probably even more of a turnstile than he's ever been i mean he has this unique talent to just kind of be in position and somehow end up out of the way whether he just takes like a phantom swipe at the ball and just you know his guy ends up scoring or he'll just he'll kind of like jump sideways in front of the guy but end up just like totally out of his way or he'll just despite being 250 pounds he'll just get bullied out of the way by guys who are not as big as him i mean it's really ugly there and then his finishing at the rim i think is something that while he's not doing as much cutting there's not as much space as there maybe once was uh for him to work with although they've had some very spacing challenge teams when he's been there um the dunks have looked good even though he's had some really nice dunks on guys they're not he's not jumping quite as high as 
busy he was before the injury it's still pretty good though but his on non-dunks around the rim it, it's been really ugly for him uh, especially on, on floaters if there's any kind of resistance there and he can't get for a dunk he just kind of like throws the ball up in the air as high as he can and hopes that it goes in i mean he's just he's not really able to use his body well uh again you know given his size and strength you know he really underutilizes that aspect of his game but you know i mean he still has just an incredible skill level i mean the other thing too the three-pointers to a game is not very much uh and he's another one of these guys who is just kind of standing inside the arc hoping to get the ball and attack and compromising their spacing even though you know as you mentioned i think the three-pointer has looked very good uh and the mid-ranger has been looking very good as well uh 25 out of 50 for mid-range and, and actually you know the the floater has been better it used to be really bad i think he's get, just getting more shots kind of under control in the mid post area doing more post-ups um but the 59 percent around the rim when you consider how many dunks he gets i mean that means his percentage on layups is really awful um but i mean i think offensively i, I got nothing to complain about i think he looks great compared to what your expectations might have been it's just man the defense and rebounding and since that was a problem for him before you know you really have to wonder uh whether that's ever going to get there and whether he can be more than just kind of a scoring forward off the bench type of player uh and hold up well enough on defense and on the boards to really bring that scoring skill to bear and one more quick note on him uh he's not getting to the line nearly as much since he's you know yeah. come back this and, season and he never did to begin with really right he, he never was great getting the line right um i got it right here yeah i mean he was he was um around average you know he, yeah. he wasn't anything exceptional but this year he's down like i don't know four percent falls fouls drawn like he's 30th percentile for bigs which is much lower than he's been in the past so i don't know just something to keep an eye on as far as you know has he lost athleticism or is it just him feeling his way back so it's just something um that i like to keep track of because i know free throw rate i think is a pretty good indicator of just overall athleticism so let's move on to malcolm brogdon now uh, still uh, out with uh that partially torn quad tendon uh, i haven't seen anything yet uh, about him returning from that uh let's see if there's an update no i haven't seen one yet so uh, probably worth considering that he'll miss if not the remainder of the season at least the remainder of the regular season uh what have you thought of the 25 year old season until he got hurt well i didn't get to see him in the last couple games i watched but uh i think overall in the season he's uh taking steps forward even though he's not he doesn't have quite the rookie of the year cachet that you would think uh at 25 he's 58 percent true shooting percentage 19 percent usage and i think both of those are slight upticks from last year um his assist percentage is down he's not playing with the ball as much uh that's obviously much more Giannis and middleton's a little bit healthier so i'm sure those are taking possessions away yeah. from him and asking to do less and, and they got blood so obviously and, too true yeah i'll blank my mind for a second but uh 38 percent three-point shooter um on three three and a half t- attempts a game which uh and he's not playing you know huge starter minutes that's actually a pretty good rate um and 62 percent at the rim uh he's shooting much better there i think last year was 54 56 percent he wasn't very good there so it's good that he's getting a little bit more craft and touch around there but i mean the just the overall outlook on him i mean he's in his age 25 season so you wonder like he, he's probably past his athletic peak you know can he have more skill sure but then he's only got a couple more years and just looking at this this roster i mean he seems like that the most obvious like trade candidate they don't have you know i think they're like basically at the cap next year before they even uh re-sign jabari if they if they choose to so they don't have any you know cap space flexibility to make the team better and brogdon has basically a minimum contract for next year so if a team's you know desperate for a guard they could ship him out if they could you know if they like a guy or you know a star that they can win now with because they're starting to get into that timeline where it becomes important for them to start winning and contending to keep Giannis happy so he's a guy I think you could see on the move um you know not much upside but he's you know a pretty solid guard you know he could fill in as a starter if you get injury you know get an injury to your starter and 
played pretty well there and he's pretty versatile as far as being able to play off ball a little bit on ball so I think he has a lot of value I know you guys you know haven't you know loved him uh, not that you guys have been extremely down on him but uh, he's a limited player you know he's a great player to have on your team but you know not a lot of upside overall and defensively for Brogdon you know we were critical of just his overall quickness level he's also had some really good defensive games that at times like he had a really nice game where he caused a lot of problems for Devin Booker before he went down with the injury but I think generally you know I look at him as an average slightly above average defender depending on the matchup uh you know he really struggled against DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs last year for example really quick guards it can give him some problems um you know I think he's probably at his best really like competing getting around screens trying to stay uh, with shooters um but you know if you have him as your starting point guard and you want to put him on the other team's point guard uh you know I'm not sure whether he has the quickness to handle that on a a game-to-game basis um and I, and I agree with you Liam I think he's a, a guy who you know if, if they can get him back healthy I, I thought that they made a mistake uh although who knows whether the Suns would have accepted this of not using him as a price to get off of some future salary uh at the time of that Bledsoe trade uh because I did think that once you have Bledsoe you don't need Brockton as much but I, I think they have missed him you know they have Tony Snell but Snell's not even starting uh, anymore they're going to Jason Terry uh I mean Danny would you agree with me I would say he kind of tops out best we could expect as you know kind of like a worse George Hill type uh, you know not as good defensively you know maybe about the same uh, as a shooter maybe you know uh, similar as a driver I think what I like a little bit less about him than George Hill is just his ability to defend versatility within guarding ones George Hill I think was better overall at that but Brogdon you know you can slide him over a little bit with twos he kind of I think this has been lost a little bit but I think he's kind of a defensive tweener like he he can do well against guys that fit his physical profile but there are players on the extremes at both guard positions that are that are struggling for that are trouble for him however it's worth noting that very few guards whether tweener or otherwise can handle somebody like DeRozan or some of those stronger twos so it's not that big a deal but I think of him more as a you know a capable backup who when he's on a good game can play more than that and you know if you need to segment to get him in and what I would be looking at Milwaukee wise is trying to get you're probably not even going to get a starter wing but if you can get use him and maybe one of the the best of their filler contracts and try to get like a low low ceiling backup wing just to add more depth there maybe a team that is desperate for point guard help because we know how mandatory that is and having him under team control and on a favorable contract would just say fine that's better for us that's a better allocation of resources for us than otherwise uh last thing uh, on him and by the way we're not going to do what once uh liam is done we're, we're not going to spend quite as long on this because this is going to go like 30 minutes just on the buck but uh what do you see how would you rate brogdon's development and and you know what does he need to work on still going forward liam well i don't know it's it's tough to say because i don't, I don't know if as far as what he needs to work on obviously he could get a little bit better touch around the rim uh, a little better playmaking for his teammates but i mean the reality of the bucks roster construction is that he isn't going to be asked to do a lot of that as far as creating and maybe some off the bench where he's you know asked to do a little bit more in those bench units but with Giannis and Middleton and Bledsoe like he's never going to operate as the primary guy on the floor that you know supposed to go out create plays so defensively you know could he get a little bit better getting around screens I don't know maybe cut a little weight something like that not that he's you know heavy but I don't know I mean it's it's tough to say and there are guys all the time that make improvements that we never see coming but it's tough to see where like a big jump is coming from all right let's talk about Don Maker now all right well I've, I've been looking forward to this one since even since his rookie season I feel like I've been a thon maker doubter uh but I mean this season there's there's just no way to slice it he's been you know really an 
effective. Uh, 50% true shooting percentage on a really low usage. Uh, he's assisted at 92% of his makes, which obviously is incredibly high. It's like 95th percentile for bigs or something like that. He's shooting 53% at the rim, which is ridiculous for a 7-footer in the NBA. It's 4th percentile for big. Um, just 32% from 3, so he's not even... I mean, I guess he's pulling centers a little bit out, but like that's not a 3-point shot that teams are respecting a ton. And even a couple times I saw, like teams were okay giving up the mid-range jumper to him, you know, wide open. So, and, and we've touched on this a little bit before, you know, his, his defensive rebounding problems are massive. He's got a 13% defensive rebounding percentage, which is even lower than Jabari's, and we think Jabari's a bad rebounder for a 4, so that that's crazy. And another thing that he does is terrible is he, he has a huge foul rate. If you take a look at the on-off numbers with him on and off the floor, the, the team gives up 31% offensive rebounding percentage to opponents, which is just insane. And they're also fouling a ton. And so, like, just with those two numbers alone, like, it, it becomes really hard to have a successful defense when you can't keep teams off the line or off the glass. So, I don't know. I guess my question to you guys is, what do you guys see his future as? Because, I don't know, he's one, he's a guy that I haven't quite believed in even since he came in the league. Obviously, he did better than I thought he would initially. But uh, now I'm starting to question, will he even be a rotation player long term? I feel like the Bucks will probably give him minutes this season and next season because they believe in the potential and they're hoping that he, you know, he'll turn it around. But, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be in the NBA as a rotation player long term. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, certainly the way he's played this year would support your argument. He's taken a step back in every area. Now, Danny and I, of course, were high on him, as, as you alluded to. It would seem uh, that we were too high. I, I think there's a, a few arguments for, you know, why this may not be representative. A lot of that starts with his shot profile and that Jason Kidd was like, oh, you shouldn't be taking threes and that, you know, Kidd really fucked with them. Uh, for example, his shot distribution last season, the hope was, you know, he took 37% of his shots from three last season and that he could bump that up to like 50% and he could really, the path to success for him was he's going to space the floor on offense as a pick and pop big and then he's going to be able to switch and move his feet defensively. Neither of those things has happened. He's regressed, I think, in both of those areas. Uh, he took 43% of his shots at the rim and 37% from three last season, only 19% uh, on twos outside the restricted area. He's basically taken 5% of his shots at the rim and seven, per, or I'm sorry, 5% of his overall shots and 7% and 7% of his overall shots from the rim and three respectively and turn them into mid-ranger. He's up to 32% of his shots now on twos outside the restricted area, which is awful. And then when you consider that his percentages have gone way down on both the rim and from three and you get to a totally ineffective offensive player but you know to me just even having him stand in the corner all the time would really help this Bucks offense uh especially in our kid I mean just to have some more spacing for guys like Giannis and Jabari and Middleton to work I don't know why he's really spending much time inside the three-point line on offense you know I think he, he could you know do some handoffs at the elbow and then pop to three uh you know th that was the hope there and then defensively he just looks much more slow afoot than he did last year I mean it started even in summer league where he was getting beasted you know he, he was able to I mean this is a guy who played effective basketball in the playoffs last year against the Toronto Raptors and so that's why and he wasn't like you know it wasn't we weren't basing that on him like oh he's hitting a bunch of jumpers like he was sliding his feet he was having these highlight blocks you know staying in front of guys like Kyle Lowry and he just for whatever reason I don't know if he's hurt this year or just he's bulked up in some way where he can't move his feet as well but we haven't seen that at all I mean the things that he was good at last year have regressed and obviously if anything his weaknesses have stagnated if not uh, regressed as well I want to make one small point and this is the only time I will ever compare Thon Maker to Josh Richardson but Josh Richardson 
his first year hit a bunch of shots and then his second year those shots didn't fall and so there was this open question that's when Richardson got extended was which one of those with offensive profiles was real and with Richardson I thought it was more his his first year than his second I feel the same way with Maker I think that he can go in that direction however the defensive stuff is really concerning my hope is that just just getting you know maybe getting right physically getting with a coach that can support him and say hey bust your ass for 15 to 20 minutes a game and then if you can prove that you can do that and make make the most out of those then we can give you 28 to 30 eventually if he can do that and just say embrace the idea that limited time allows for maximum effort there is there is physical potential and i think mental potential here for a good player but liam is right that you have to actually produce that potential you know we we complained about this with various other guys and you know this is this is early in thon's career hopefully but you have to you have to be able to turn that into something positive over let's say the next year or so well and i think probably now the issue is exactly what liam said i mean he's below replacement level i would say this year i mean they're giving him something that's had a couple of games where he's been decent but i think the problem is if you're the bucks organization you have to proceed right now that he's not your center of the future any longer he hasn't shown enough you have to find a good center somewhere else now the good news is those guys are out there and for not that expensive but uh i mean i think when you play this badly i mean there's just there's no way you can count on this guy going forward i i don't i'm not going to foreclose the idea that he could work out uh and then he could become uh, this modern center that we all thought uh, that he could be but uh man he's he's got a long way to go to even get back to last year's level uh part of that is the usage but most of it is just that he even the things that he's supposed to be good at he has failed to deliver um anything else you want to add on him liam before uh we just do some quick hitters uh, on some of their other guys yeah well, i mean I, I just wanted to point out somebody and i don't know who was in the google doc put his age at uh 20 in quotation yeah. marks so I, I oh you you know you know who so. put it in quotation marks <laughs> it wasn't me so yeah so i don't know maybe i guess you know if you know he is 20 so he does have you know that chance at getting better so that that door's always open uh so quickly here on, on sterling brown uh observations on the 22 year old well i was pretty impressed with what i saw um he's shooting the three pretty well even if it's on a you know low number of attempts overall but he's shooting a ton from the corner 21 percent of his shots are coming from the corner so obviously they're just asking him to space to the corner and if you can do that pretty effectively i think he's a pretty good defensive player he's not super quick twitch great athlete he, he got beat by lou williams a couple times which you know, obviously no shame in that for a small forward but he he cut off some other drives that i saw i think he slides pretty well defensively uh pretty good active you know re, you know always looking for something to do on defense as far as shifting but not over rotating too much and i, I was impressed with just a couple of his simple reads and his problem is he's never i mean maybe never not never but he, he's not creating any of his offense for himself and he's a 51 percent shooter at the rim so he, he doesn't really have that athleticism to really go up and explode and finish over people or you know the touch to make up for that so that, that's gonna be his area of weakness but i think they have to be really excited about what they've seen overall especially considering he's two more years at the minimum how about dj wilson uh the 21 year old drafted number 17 in the 2017 draft well he's played 69 69 minutes all season so i i didn't think there was anything really to pull out of his stats so i don't know that i mean only the bucks know from what they've seen in practice really but just him coming out for college he's you know pretty mobile he's not a great athlete he's got some skills some stretch potential uh his efficient score in school and I, I just wonder that if is he getting the michigan bump you know that a lot of michigan prospects get from you know the good offensive system that they run like trey burke nick stauskas so i don't know that's just my thought on it but obviously nothing you can really judge off of you know from his time on the court this season wilson did play 11 games 358 minutes with the wisconsin herd in the g league uh he took a third of his shots from three shooting 34 
percent not very impressive only a 12 per 54 percent true shooting uh and really struggled to rebound even in the g league which was i, I mean uh, as a power forward he's a guy who has some athleticism his uh overall rebound percentage was a uh, 9.2 percent so that's uh that's below average for a, a power forward he's gonna be more athletic than a lot of the guys in the g league um so that's uh that's not particularly encouraging so far and, and not a guy you would have to say is going to be at all in their plans next year unless he has like some awesome summer league all right that was a uh, great on the bucks we're not going to go quite as long here though we'll see maybe we'll just uh, go so long that we'll have to just turn this into two parts uh see what see what we can limit ourselves a little bit we, we have so much to say uh, on all these guys here uh thanks to, to liam for that we'll be right back uh, after this from helix sleep the mattress that i sleep on right around the time that i started this podcast three years ago i had a, a queen mattress that i'd had for like 10 years my girlfriend who had become my fiance moved in with me we started getting some back pain from our old mattress we decided all right this one's we've got is 10 years old so we better get a new one so she did a little research and she got one from one of these mattress delivery brands that is one size fits all and i'm like oh, i don't know I'm, I'm not really the same size as all the rest of these people is this really gonna work we got it and we had to return it. it it didn't work we continued to get some back pain started wondering if maybe we're just always gonna have back pain it was us no it wasn't us uh it was the mattresses and if you actually get a mattress that is developed for you it's gonna feel great and that's what you get finally with with helix sleep uh, my girlfriend did some more research we found helix sleep it's customized to your specific height weight and sleep preferences took about a two to three minute questionnaire they call it their sleep quiz and within seven to ten days it gets delivered it was fantastic from the moment we got it we got another one uh, when we moved into our new place for the guest bedroom and that one uh, has been awesome as well now for 2018 they've taken customized sleep to the next level with the helix pillow their all new pillows are fully adjustable so you can achieve perfect comfort regardless of sleep position or body type the way to get started with them helixsleep.com slash catspace and oh oh you're gonna want to listen to this now you get 125 dollars towards your mattress order it used to just be 50 but they have increased the discount for my listeners helixsleep.com slash capspace is that url capspace you remember we talk about it all the time on the program fortunately the bucks don't talk about it as much because they're not going to have any for a while helixsleep.com slash capspace and you get up to 125 dollars towards your mattress order helixsleep.com slash capspace let them know that you came from us all right dan let's see how quickly we get through this next one and whether we're actually going to spread this project out or not why don't we go to the oh you know i guess we didn't do the the bucks fundamentals we should probably do that huh oh uh, yeah we can so the bucks fundamentals are uh they're 38 and 34 19th in net rating 10th in offense 19th in defense wow you would have expected that when we thought about this team maybe to go the other way uh projected to be the eighth seed in the east which would also cause them to lose their first round pick i th- i say we just go to the beginning of the alphabet go to the atlanta hawks and they're 21 and 52 26th in net rating 26th in offense 26th in defense projected to have 23 wins which is successful for them in the way that it would give them a lot of ping pong balls and i think the place to start with them is john collins their first round pick this year and collins is fascinating from a lot of different perspectives because i think there is a a good basketball player in there but i'm not particularly sure and i'm gonna make this question a thing for a lot of people for uh, overall this is like what is his role on a successful team he's 20 he can get a lot better and we're using basketball reference ages for this not their actual calendar age because that changes so quickly so it's basketball reference age and because he's talented offensively but limited right now so he can get better there and then defensively there are some real concerns yeah i think that's right you know he returned from a sprained ankle when we saw him uh, on 
Friday against the Warriors, sprained it again, but then it returned. Uh, start with the good. He's been even better of a finisher than we thought he might be coming out of college, although we certainly saw signs of that in summer league. 63% true shooting, 19 PR, a guy who fills up the box score. And I think the jump shot uh, has looked a little bit better than I expected. You know, seeing him take some corner threes, I thought it really looked good in warmups. You know, I watched this warmup pretty closely, and I think that jump shot is coming along. I expect him to be a competent standstill three-point shooter in time. Can he turn that into being a guy who can shoot out a pick and pop for three as well? That's an interesting question. And then, you know, what is his position? Is he a power forward or a center? This gets back to your question about what his role is. You know, I think he showed a couple of nice rotations in that Warriors game. You know, he's got pretty quick quick feet when he really engages. Is he going to be the type of guy who mentally is really going to be able to learn the dark arts of conventional pick and roll defense as a center and then another note is that they don't really rebound very well when he's at center i would guess that that's more related to some of the other players i mean he is a good rebounder uh just when he's at center you know they've had you know someone like a torian prince i think at the four a lot of the time even though prince hasn't played that much four yet as we'll talk about um so i i'm not sure that i would say oh like we're not gonna be able to rebound if we have him at center that remains to be seen for me and uh you know i mean he's he's a young big they don't defend that well but you'd have to say that he's developed as well as could have been hoped this year in that uh at hawks university especially the jump shot to me uh you know looks better than expected at this point in time i've been very impressed with the fluidity of his shot i mean it's not even really i mean it's 36 percent so far in jumpers this year but the fluidity of it is important i that's why i think it's a little bit more projectable especially than i thought i worried about that a little bit wasn't super familiar with him at wake but have been impressed you know his if he can translate a little bit more of his athleticism into affecting shots at the rim i think of him just when i watch him play more of a weak side shot blocker than like a strong side you know like really gonna gonna stiff guys in that way but if that's true if that's if that's the way he can provide defensive value at the rim by all means then there's there's a place for that in the league and I don't know exactly what you pair him with theoretically, but he's young enough that, and the Hawks are bad enough that you just kind of see what you can get and then you work with it from there. And, you know, if that means a center is available this year, great. If that means a combo forward is available, you work with that too. And there's there's value. And then worse comes to worse, if the defense never comes around, either you use him as kind of like a, you know, a, a starter in certain circumstances, but if you have better guys, you put him in as, as backup where I think you would just d- annihilate people. So I think there's, I, I think there's a place for him I'm not exactly sure what it is yet but there's a lot that I like about him like there's some players who were I'm not sure and I feel like that makes me uncomfortable with him I'm broadly okay with it I feel confident he's gonna be a starting level quality offensive player uh the question is a can he get there defensively at either forward position uh b if he has to play power forward because he's not good enough defensively to be your center now can he space it out to three enough that he's not killing your spacing uh and then see just how good is that offense going to be i mean if he's going to be like amari sotomayor light type of player where it's like all right this guy's so good offensively, we can't keep him off the floor that's one thing one note only 31 post-ups all season that he's finished uh, with a shot a, a foul or a turnover uh he certainly posted up plenty at wake forest i think it'll be interesting to see whether he's someone who'll be able to punish switches out of the post eventually you know it had a reputation as being a black hole in college so that'll be another aspect of his game they have not asked him to post up really at all this season uh but you know i think i would i would say you have to be relatively pleased with 
his development i think he's delivered on the promise that he showed in summer league so far and obviously uh it, it has uh, some really huge highlight dunks which uh, we always enjoy when we go through and uh rank the best dunks uh, of the season and so when you say is he a part of the team's future i think yes but i totally agree with you in the sense that hey maybe he uh, we're not going to say like this guy's our center of the future we're not going to take another big uh, if one is available or if, or if we have a chance to trade for one talk uh torian prince now yeah torian prince uh an interesting year this is his age 23 season came out of baylor after a couple of years and he has not taken nearly as many shots at the rim this season but is making a higher proportion of them and a big potential thing is that he's taking more threes and making more threes he's up to uh, i think he's around 38 percent on the season that is incredibly important in terms of his long term whether he ends up being a three of four or both and i wish we were seeing him a little bit the four he could be one of these players that is going to become more common around the league i actually thought this was going to happen with jason tatum where he's better at the four but because there are so few small forwards in the league you play torian prince at small forward and what i've been encouraged by this year is i still don't think that's the best fit for his offensive game but i think prince has shown enough that if you need to go to that route i'm more comfortable with it than i was a year ago all right the cat just jumped on me so we'll see if the audio quality suffers lay down sweetie here we go uh hopefully she'll uh she'll not squirm too much so uh, for prince yeah i mean he's it's been impressive you know he had that big shot uh to beat the suns that will live on in suns lore if they get the number one pick this year uh he had a couple of, of games where he scored in the 30s second on the team in scoring with 13.5 points a game and overall efficiency 54 percent, not bad i mean certainly i think you can make the argument that prince has been overstretched this year at 21 percent usage he's turned it over on 15 percent of his possessions but you can make the argument i'm sure the hawks would that he has expanded his game this year i mean certainly was not a guy that you thought would be ever capable of putting up a 30 point game and i don't think that he's going to be a guy that you're ever going to have as a top two creator on your team but at least as someone who can do some stuff off the dribble hit a threes he's taken some three pointers off the dribble which has been nice to, to see you know and again you know i don't think you're going to be like okay run the clock down put torian prince in a high pick and roll but i think if you say you swing the ball to him he puts the ball on the floor you go under and he can take one dribble and take that three off the dribble i think that's something that can be a valuable weapon if he's not just a straight up spot up guy it's taken 47 percent of his shots from downtown never gets to the line not a, a huge assist guy either but with all that I, I think you have to be pleased with where he's gone you know the hawks have not been a good defense this year i don't necessarily put that on him uh i don't see prince as an elite stopper but i think he's someone who can be adequate defensively at the three you know i mean if he's has to guard some of the best small forwards he's not going to shut him down but hopefully he won't get just completely steamrolled so i think you have to be happy with his development it's just you know if you're expecting him to be a star that's not going to happen but i think he can be uh, a reasonable starter uh, as he's going to be 24 next season talk about some of their minor guys uh, real quick deandre Bembry really been a lost year for him with various injuries uh now he's out with an abdominal injury saw him shooting around uh before the game looks like he's getting a, a little bit closer wasn't able to go full speed or anything but was able to like get up for some dunks and uh hopefully he can make his return before the end of the season um Bembry has always been about his ability to handle the ball make some good decisions uh the shot has always been the question mark you know he still shoots it pretty low and flat uh, I'm not I don't think he's ready yet to be an NBA three-point shooter and in fact when he has played this season only 24 three-point attempts in 364 minutes uh he's made eight of those uh and the other problem too is he has not been able to be efficient from two-point 
range uh, only 42 percent and uh so that means that his true shooting is extremely bad and he's not been a great free throw shooter either so i, I think you know not a guy that I, I would be counting on as a rotation player especially a shame that he just essentially wasn't able to play at all this year and, and he's going to be 24 so he'll probably play summer league but you know i he's not someone that i see a great future for at this point although he does have skills and Bembry has played about half as many minutes as tyler dorsey who was their second round pick this year that largely happened due to need dorsey is shooting almost the same percentage from three and two in certain circumstances that would be a good thing but when a guy's shooting 34 percent from three and 36 percent from two that's not necessarily a good thing and i there every once in a while you see a play from dorsey defensively and every once in a while offensively where you're like oh okay i can see what they were getting at here at, came, coming out of oregon and but i see him more as a, a guy you know, want to see in summer league what he can do give him a couple of years of development and then maybe at that point if you can get a rotation player out of it on a better team than this team then excellent if not then you just move on and try to draft another shower jersey the shot distribution uh, from him 54 percent uh, from downtown shoots 33 uh, percent but uh and then what's really killing his efficiency is only 46 percent at the rim but he is smooth i think he's he's got some skills uh, off the dribble i like his three-point shot he can take three-pointers off the dribble like he looks uh, comfortable with the ball in his hands i mean that that's really all that i can say obviously the statistical performance has not been there uh, this year and, and not a guy who i think is looking like a lockdown defender or anything but it, an intriguing talent you know if you were a couple years younger i might be higher on him but he does have a little bit of a polish to his game uh, that stands out just watching him with the ball in his hands that's that's probably all i want to say there um why don't we uh how do you think we should do this you want to since we might end up splitting this up do you want to um just do the rest of the southeast division maybe that's the way to do it we can do it in like three three segments here and then and just spend a little more time on these guys i think this will be because we don't have anything else like content wise it's like super pressing this do we and then we'll do like awards next week yeah i think that's i think that's a good way to good way to roll and and i think also we've done the work and this is really interesting stuff like for me the pitches even if you're not a fan of of that team they're these are the players that are going to be relevant around the league next year summer league all that kind of stuff so all right so um, why don't we, well, let's just do that we'll finish out the southeast division today uh and then we can do the rest of the east this week and then i guess we still got the whole west to do also but maybe we will uh we'll figure it out all right let's go uh next in alphabetical order then in the southeast division is the charlotte hornets uh hooray and uh let's start with uh malik monk who really has not been able to break through into the rotation despite the fact that they have had the worst backup point guard play in the nba this year uh, maybe the suns are up there too but nonetheless and, and to a degree that is also steve clifford's just mo he talked pretty openly about that idea that it's hard to evaluate all the rest of your players and malik monk when i've watched him i don't see a player that is really necessarily ready for that yeah. granted at this point in the year yeah. the hornets he's point guard aren't... size but he's not a point guard right yeah i mean i i actually think monks his end game here is to be a part or at least in the near term is to do something like what dallas has done and use him with another guard that is like sized but is more capable with the ball in his hands and monk has you know he he shot well from three at kentucky 34 percent this year worrisome that he doesn't get to the rim very much and doesn't make shots when he does get there below 50 percent but every once in a while he shows some burst and he still has to 
to figure a lot out young young guy age 19 season but so i think it, it we haven't seen enough to be definitive with him but the idea that he's going to be a starter in the near term is is probably not there but i see a place for monk especially considering the relative surplus to a point of capable ball handlers on second unit so if you don't have those lofty expectations i think he can fit into a more manageable role well number one for him before we talk about all his other deficiencies the ball just has to go in the basket for him. you know he's right and it's encouraging that he's able to get the shots off that he can you know he has good footwork he's a gunner but the shot selection is not great i mean he definitely loves the step back jumper that's something that zach Lowe talked about it in his column this week that he really is just you know take some pull your hair out shots uh which would be a problem for clifford if he hadn't uh lost it years ago already but he probably just does that thing where he just like grafts at his scalp reflexively anyway uh when he sees young takes or, or uh, monk take some of these shots the not getting to the rim is the other problem really uh and the lack of distribution and then you know he's certainly a pretty skinny guy not gonna win any awards defensively or executing the scheme by any means he's played about half as minutes at point guard half at shooting guard in either situation they've been overall 15.3 points per 100 worse when he is on floor not very good at all you know he had like that one game where i think he i want to say he had like 19 in the first half at madison square garden i mean if you take enough shots you'll have sometimes where that looks good but i mean my question is you know is his ceiling kind of jamal crawford asks and we're talking about ceiling right so ceiling to be very clear that doesn't mean oh we think he's going to get to be jamal crawford you know if he has that type of a career you consider it a success even though we're lower on crawford than a lot of guys uh but i mean who would you compare him to in the league at this point because i don't think given his inability to get to the basket off the dribble you know like a lou williams type of heat up off the bench score you know i'm not sure that he's quite there i mean he's mostly a jump shooter right yeah and he doesn't parallel with any i I talked about the idea of him being the second guard in any of the maverick systems those guys are better at penetrating than he is at this point so yeah i don't i don't really have a good a good parallel for him at this point but i don't when i've watched monk i don't necessarily see like a bad handle i just don't see the dominant you know like the the any any of the elements to say okay how how is he going to beat his guy and get to the basket regularly beat his guy and get a shot yeah absolutely he can do that but i am a little bit concerned with 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 monk's ability to like the way i've usually phrased this is to create seams i think that is certainly a legitimate concern in the pick and roll he's not there at all uh he's taken 122 shots or turnovers out of the pick and roll and then only passed leading to a shot 73 times that is a very low ratio especially for a guard and then only 0.68 points per possession out of the pick and roll 75 points on 110 possessions which is pretty ugly and of 101 times when he has used the pick per synergy as opposed to rejecting the screen or taking the early jumper would you care to guess how many of those times this is 101 times that he's either shot or turned it over off the pick and roll how many of those did he take it to the basket six that is exactly correct <laughs> are you Woo! are you looking at it or you just got that no right? oh that's awesome i got that right yeah. and he scored two points on those six possessions. so and 82 times he's taken a jumper off the dribble 13 times taken a runner uh and the percentage has not been there so if he i mean he can come off some screens he can shoot but he's gonna need to be a guy who can create out a pick and roll if he's gonna have a career and he is very very far away from doing that at this point maybe if the jump shot goes in a little bit more then he can get to the basket more but you know the advanced operation off the dribble the ability to finish at the rim what is he shooting at the rim this year i don't think it's very good right it is not 49 percent per cleaning the glass that is 
is Lonzo Ballian uh, right there. Uh, Actually, I think that's slightly better than Ballian, but pretty close. <laughs> so, yeah, disappointing. And again, another one of these guys who, especially because I think he, he projects, it's so difficult for me to see him as a starter. I mean, he just, and we know he has all these other limitations. If he's going to blow up offensively, if you think he can average 20 a game and be efficient, that's really the only path to success because he's so bad in every other area. If he's not going to be that good of a score, then I mean, you know, you just got no use for. Him. Yeah, I mean, and and the league is littered with guards and has a lot of them are gone. Who the hope was that they could be score only guys and then just never delivered on that tool. I don't know why the first guy I thought of was Joe Young. Maybe because we I did a little bit of work on him for this, but it's like you know guys who that that's one of the easiest ways to fail in the league is to be a scoring only guy. Well, especially if you can't actually score. Uh, let's talk about Frank Kaminsky. Who yeah, I mean he's twenty four, kind of right on the cutoff, but a guy who the organization invested a lot in uh this is just finished uh, his third year your thoughts on him i don't really see the appeal for him beyond being just like a depth guy because kaminsky and this is just absolutely insane his effective field goal percentage this is effective so that means threes are valued more than twos is below 50 percent despite him shooting 39 percent from three this year so that just means he is so monumentally inefficient at everything else and not shooting enough threes that even with that it can't carry him to a solid offensive profile and offense is basically the whole reason he has value yeah how the hell is he shooting so badly on twos right now he's at 45 percent on twos which is just so miserable for a guy who's seven foot especially if he's playing power forward you think he has the size advantage on most of these guys and you know he gets into his pump fake and drive game but just the total lack of explosion to finish at the rim and you know the thought was oh he's he was this great college post player he could really kill guys in the post and we haven't seen that from him much in his career other than just one memorable game in the the uh, 2016 playoffs uh where he was like posting up on Dwayne Wade a few times yeah in this season he's taken more floaters than shots in the restricted area which is a major concern for athleticism purposes and for just overall offensive efficiency and he's taking 41 percent of his shots from mid-range in either floater range or or mid or twos and he he's making 36% of those. That is a massive problem. You, you Basically, it is untenable as a player who wants to be offense-based to have that sort of a balance. And that's not abnormal for him. The frequency is up, but he's been in the mid-30s in terms of effectiveness from mid-range his entire career. Yeah, and then the defense just has not been there. Uh, at, when he plays center, the team always gets killed. I mean, generally, and they know that they only play him at center when, you know, their backup center this year, Cody Zeller, is injured. And, you know, he's just he showed slightly more mobility at the four trying to slide his feet but again no explosion no length not a great defensive rebounder uh help defense is pretty much inadequate and so if he's not just an unbelievable offensive player you know i don't see him i don't really see a path for him especially at his age to becoming a starter at this point unless he becomes like a ryan anderson level of shooter and people always say any stretch four gets compared to ryan anderson go watch like where ryan anderson sets up for his three-pointer and how quickly he gets those off and ryan anderson is also a pretty good rebounder he's stronger than kaminsky i think he even moves his feet better than kaminsky at least this year where he's lost some weight now uh so that's the hope that he could get to that point but i i mean that's like the upper bound outcome for kaminsky and this is the first year i mean the one good thing is at least he's hitting his three pointers this year for the first time but yeah it's just uh ah, not a not a great uh run here for uh michael jordan and the hornets of late with some of their young guys um let's talk about 
uh Dwayne ba- Bacon quickly uh, at age 22 he was out of Florida State last year played with John Isaac there um Bacon is kind of one of these 6'5 like tank built guys who use his strength a lot uh to create space for a shot in college and be a scorer he's got a pretty decent skill level off the dribble but just doesn't have the explosion to go by guys not going to get all the way to the rim and finish over anybody settles for a lot of tough twos off the dribble and that's reflected in his stats he is 6.1 per 43 percent true shooting and also never gets to the foul line uh 14 percent free throw rate in 641 minutes so uh he does have a great defensive rebound rate that's probably the one thing that sticks out really well uh 19 percent defensive rebound but he's got 14 percent usage and 43 percent true shooting i mean there's he's gonna have to completely change the way that he plays it to carve out a career so uh not very encouraged by where he's been so far uh, what about some of their other guys Travion graham we've talked about on 15 and 60s uh fascinating that he has a per under 10 despite making almost a ridiculous proportion of his threes he's shooting 41 percent from there now and the reason why is because per values usage and he doesn't take many if any shots he's his usage is below 10 percent or no sorry it's not below 10 it's below 12 this year it's at 11 and a half and i still like his defensive potential age 24 season he will be a restricted free agent could be somebody who charlotte really benefits from having on restricted free agency because it's a lot for another team to give in a fully guaranteed offer sheet for at least two years to him but i like travion graham i think he could be a part of a successful team what stands out for him is just he plays incredibly hard and he's yep. he's strong you know doesn't have elite length you know i'm not sure he's a shutdown guy but just the effort plays that he'll make full court just running guys down for behind saving balls around bonds me adds the energy level of the team and if he can make shots uh and continue to improve there you know he's a guy i think is worth taking a flyer on given the the darth as you would say uh, of uh of wings uh i hate you so much right now <laughs> uh willie hernan gomez was basically a lost season for him with the knicks he has been an unbelievable rebounder since coming to charlotte he's played only 124 minutes did get the start uh when dwight howard was suspended for technicals uh the the efficiency has not been there but he has a 19 pr in part just because he's got 17 percent offensive rebound rate and 29 percent defensive rebound rate but for her night going the hope was he could be kind of a ennis canter light uh, type of player he's a little smarter than canter is defensively but about the same level of tools and is not quite the beast that canter is i mean he still has a high school level in the post i'd like to see what could become of him seems more you know the hope is he can become a, a scoring backup center but in this is age 23 season certainly a, a disappointment to only play the number of minutes that he he has and i think it's pretty clear that he would not have been as effective as kyle o'quinn or Cantor were for the knicks this year and then you know he's been the third center but now with cody zeller out with knee soreness getting some more time so he's a guy we probably need to see more of in these last few games when they're not playing the memphis grizzlies uh by the way i mean i, I said i was going to watch that game uh in our last show that was the one that the grizzlies lost by 61 i tweeted out uh in really shitty quality because i was just using my phone on my plasma tv which is has like all this like flickering to it uh when you try to take a video of it but i mean there's just some absolute keystone cops level of stuff uh, from the grizzlies in that game in addition to losing by 61 it's really i it was a good advertisement to never watch tanking basketball ever again well it's it's okay if both teams are kind of the similar level but when (laughs) kemba went off the way that he did there those like the games that i hate the most are when one team is is especially if they're under talented like the grizzlies are right now and then the other team is still caring because those are just demolitions i don't really enjoy those very much even the ones that end up being kind of close they're just frustrating but with aaron gomez i think the biggest way that he's lost out is the nature of supply and demand 
demand at center now. Sure. There is plenty of supply and there is not that much demand. And so he ended up, part of it is being a victim of circumstance, but there just aren't that many teams that need that, that are just starving for centers. And so, yeah, I would love to see him get 15 minutes a game on a team, but there just aren't that many opportunities. Yeah. Now he is under contract for guaranteed at the minimum next year, non-guaranteed at the minimum the year after. There does not appear to be a team option on that though. So they won't, it's not the Hinky special. They won't have that decision necessarily, but you know, I think he could be potentially a rotation level, a contributor for a, a Charlotte team that of course is going to be very resource strapped. I and mean, you could see them maybe trying to move Cody Zeller in the offseason, a guy who can actually play. I mean, Cody's think of how good, much like although Zeller, the fact that he's experiencing this knee soreness now and that surgically repaired knee is not good. And he has a history of a bunch of bone bruises there and stuff. Uh, so that's a concern, but I mean, how much would Cody Zeller help like the box or something, you know, but, but anyway, uh, that's it for Charlotte. Uh, Going to get to, uh, did we do their fundamentals? I don't think we did actually, if you, if you want to do those real quick. Yeah, we might as well. 33 and 41, 18th in net rating, 13th in offense, 16th in defense, which you think about that for a team that's not making the playoffs is pretty ridiculous yeah. and projected to have 37 wins. And the expectation has to be that they will fall, that they will have a better pick than the Pistons because the Pistons do not have their pick. Yeah, they're in competition with the Lakers, really the only team in that range. We talked about how there are really, there are only three teams projected to finish between 31 and 43 wins right now. The Pistons, Hornets, and Lakers, two of whom, two of which I should say do not have their pick. Well, I remember I had this video when I was a kid, top 10 moments in Chicago sports history. And I grew up about eight minutes away in, in South Evanston from the campus uh, of Loyola, Chicago. They won the national championship in 1963. And now they are back in the final four, which is absolutely insane. But that's what you get with NCAA March Madness. You got to be ready for whatever the next round brings. Make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime and swing by Walmart before every round. Stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, Powerade, and Powerade Zero, which is my personal favorite. Uh, before the next one tips off, Coca-Cola is the official fan refreshment of the NCAA. Be ready to watch all the games by picking up Coca-Cola and Powerade all turning long. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game, it is a whole tournament, which even a team like Loyola can make the final four. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. So the Miami Heat, uh, three major guys we wanted to talk about here. Uh, let's start with Bam Adebayo. The, well, yeah. le- let's start with their fundamentals so we don't forget oh, like God, last time. Yeah, really. uh, 39 and 34, 15th in net rating, plus 0.7, 18th in offense, 9th in defense, and they're projected to be the 7th seed in the East, though I actually think they have more upside than that depending on how their schedule turns out. But now let's turn to Bam Adebayo, the, their lottery pick, fr- barely lottery pick, but lottery pick from this past year. The good Adebayo has looked awesome moving his feet defensively. I, I mean, I've watched a lot of their games and there are very few times that I've seen him on a switch get beaten one-on-one. He's even been able to hold up uh, against some of the best. He'll foul every once in a while, but you're not really going to go by him. He has elite feet. Uh, he's able to contest pretty well and he's strong uh, also. That's been impressive. The finishing, getting up for the alley-oops uh, on offense, the rebounding uh, offensively in particular, uh, I think it's been bringing him to Miami. I mean, this is be the case for a lot of young players, but especially with his physical talent, finding ways to make him play hard as the Heat so often do has been key to his development. And I really, with him in there, I mean, he's been a, a rotation player 
this season i also think that the mid-range jumper has looked better than expected from him just in terms of its versatility uh and his ability to hit that off of kind of you know when he's just lurking around in the mid-range kind of stuck and not really at three not really going to the rim but has to space out a little bit because there just isn't space to get to the rim for a pass he's been able to hit that shot reasonably well in the games that that i've seen see if the numbers actually support that cleaning glass has him at it as a 28 percent mid-range shooter 21 percent on long twos but his form looks good to me and i think that's what's most important with a guy who's dealing with a small sample size here is just how does it look rather than is it going in yeah uh, although th- it is important to actually look at stats that are like just like, oh man in the games i've seen it, it's really look good but i, I yeah, think I of just, course it all matters I, i've happened to watch some of his better games as well um but you know i think that's a, a shot that is projectable for him in time from the foul line 70 percent foul shooter which is not bad uh and a few other stats on him only 64 percent true shooting which you would you would hope could be a little bit better there and the other thing that's interesting he does not block a ton of shots only a 2.5 percent block rate you know he'll have some highlight blocks on occasion but that was the case going back to college as well he wasn't really an elite shot blocker i think where, where his value is really going to come is being able to move his feet and deny penetration as kind of like a tristan thompson on steroids type of guy um and then i think in terms of his when he gets put in conventional pick and roll defense conventional help responsibilities he's been much much less effective than in the switching scheme yeah there's a weird parallel here what to to thon maker where there are just certain centers that are better at one way that you can play the position than the other and with both those guys in their age 20 season i mean Adebayo has just shown shown so much more athleticism that i feel a lot better about him but those concerns about being a you know like his strengths are so different from Hassan Whiteside I've noticed that in the games that Adebayo has started just like how how different like sometimes he can get run through a little bit by the real by those just beast of guys I can't remember was it Embiid I think that had a really good game on him after having a bad game against uh Whiteside I think was something like that and I still really like him I think he could be a good fit but Adebayo does have these limitations for now and I'm very very excited to see how how he works out and how his skill development goes because we in summer league saw so much more with him than he got to show Kentucky which is not to the extreme of Carl Anthony Towns but that same idea of just how Kentucky wants big men to do very limited things oftentimes they do those very well and look good for those purposes in the draft but NBA teams now need much more out of that position offensively you know it's interesting a few things that stick out from his play type uh number one oh this isn't necessarily from his play type they've actually thrown the ball into the post to him and like let him make passes out of the post as they try to run their offense which I think was something that is a positive as a role man 90 possessions only 38th percentile overall and he's doing almost no pick and pop he actually just uh, i need to watch a little more film on this to see how it is that he's not that efficient as a roll-in maybe it's the lack of spacing but maybe just his finishing on non-dunks just is not that great or he's going to the floater a lot as well uh but only 83 points on 75 possessions as a roll man is not particularly impressive uh and then even uh, uh on cuts which is basically kind of like dump offs throw throwing the ball under the rim you know, he really hasn't been as efficient as you would expect either i mean most of the best bigs you know are in the 1.4 1.5 even points per possession on those plays where you just get a dump off under the rim and he's a 39th percentile in that so despite the athleticism despite some of the highlight dunks maybe not as good of a finisher as you might expect so that'll be something to keep our eye on as well but certainly a guy i mean if we the fact that he's contributing at a rotation level right now is well beyond expectations you have to give him credit for that certainly um is he their center of the future i think there's a pretty good chance of it especially as miami has collected these kind of stronger perimeter players that is well suited for a switching system 
system, and Bam is a wonderful fit for that. So yeah, I think that's reasonably likely. Also, I I much prefer Kelly Olynyk, who they have signed long term as well, as a more of a backup five than, or maybe even as a starting four. I just the limitations are just too prominent for me. So if it's between those two, and then you know with Hassan Whiteside, he's under contract. I doubt they're going to be able to trade him. So I think you ride Hassan Whiteside until you can't anymore, and then Bam takes over. Yeah, that seems reasonable. And by the time Whiteside's contract has run out, they'll still have maybe one year on Bam's rookie deal to see whether he is the guy or whether they want to re-sign Whiteside or, or, or what would happen exactly. Josh Richardson, to me, uh, has been awesome this year. I think I've seen just about everything from him that I would have liked. He does turn it over too much, but I think that's more a result of him being kind of overstretched as a guy with the ball in his hands. I mean, I don't think he's the guy that you really want to just, all right, we're going to run the high pick and roll. Everybody else stand around while we watch Josh Richardson go to work. And he's had to function in that capacity uh with the really lack of any kind of a creating backup point guard um now with wade there he doesn't have to do that quite as much but the three-pointer as you mentioned has returned and then as a defensive player i mean he's, he's just one of the league best i mean there's he, he's right up there he and marcus smart uh, among the guys who would most want to see guard another team's shooting guard and then he's even despite the fact that he's undersized for the position and, and under strength maybe for the position uh is still able to guard a lot of the small fours i mean and, and his shot blocking uh and just the way he bothers guys he's just an absolute shark defensively one of my favorite defensive players in the nba to watch huge fan of his defense and richardson has that versatility which is so surprising from a guy who looks the way he does like you with marcus smart it's not a surprise because marcus smart is just strong as hell and it's not it's not a surprise but with richardson you're just looking there but effort skill intelligence for anybody who's listened to the podcast that rob mahoney did with robertson i actually kind of i haven't i've never talked to richardson about this but the idea of knowing what's coming see he seems like he's he he has a very good sense of what opponents want to do and he has the desire to, to get away from it and then the jump shot i mean he is in many ways one of the purest three and d guys and some of the problems that he has as an offensive player come from having to do more than that due to circumstance but he is incredibly valuable i think he's going to live up to this contract age 24 season oh, he, this he's year he's already and, exceeded it to me i mean I th- if he just yeah. if he just plays the way he played this year for the duration of that contract you know i mean i think he's a guy who you know is worth you know in the high team you know and the versatility of his jump shot too i mean he's not just he's taking threes off the dribble he's taking long twos off the dribble where he shot 44 percent you know he's actually been very solid from every range except right at the rim where he's about league average uh but you know he just takes maybe more of those and he doesn't really get to the foul line as well that's what kind of keeps his efficiency pretty close to league average but uh as where he doesn't have, on a team where he doesn't have to take quite as many difficult shots i think he could really be although he only has 18 percent usage but it does seem like you know he doesn't have like guys setting him up for wide open threes necessarily but so maybe on a team with a little bit more creation off the dribble at some of the other slots you know he could be more efficient but i mean even if he no- doesn't get a cent better uh, i mean where is the the uh the improvement where can it come from i guess just being able to operate in the pick and roll not turn it over as much i mean that's a big part of his problem too is turnover yeah turnovers turnovers are certainly an area of it and you know he could uh, even if it notches up just a, a percentage or two on threes i think that would really help him and also it would be wonderful if he could get to the free throw line a little bit more and i i don't expect that just because it doesn't tie in with the strengths of his game but if he could that would be good we talked about this uh, justice winslow at, at age 21 here we didn't do the heat fundamentals did we i guess we'll have to do that at the end i did oh you did i did him at the very beginning oh, okay my bad uh by the way a quick note these are as of sunday morning so uh, when we're recording this um so winslow at age 21 the three-pointer has been there this year but only on 109 attempts which is not enough 
as we saw at Duke when he also shot over 40% on a similar number of attempts. Uh, I'm not ready to buy the jump shot yet. It does look better. He has been more aggressive uh, when he than in past years when he was shooting on the 20s uh, in three-pointers. Uh, he is really, last season, you know, when he, remember, he only played about a month last year before his season ended with that shoulder injury. Some other guys like Richardson, you know, have really passed him by. They've, they've got James Johnson doing more creation. So he's not asked really to do that anymore. He's down a 16% usage. Uh, and then defensively, you know, he's another guy who makes life very difficult. He's physical. You know, I think he's against Ben Simmons, for example. I thought he played really good defense. You know, he tries. He, he makes winning plays. Plays really hard. He's got more dribble ability than you would expect as a grab-and-go guy, but not a guy who can really, you know, if he's running a pick-and-roll, there's only so much you can do if you can't pull up off the dribble for a jump shot, and he really can't do that. And then at the rim, you know, he's not really a, a great finisher. He's, he's a, probably a slightly above-average leaper for uh, an NBA three-man. So, uh, you know, I think he's a guy who could be a valuable role player. He's still only 21, but he has a lot of skill development to do still to get to being a guy that you look at as a starter. And this is a guy who I thought a lot of people felt like could be a guy who is really, you know, high in the hierarchy with the ball in his hands. And I don't I don't believe that that is. What's challenging with Winslow is this dichotomy that happens sometimes with forwards of you'd love to have him on your team, but you wouldn't want to necessarily pay him a lot of money because there you need so much from everybody else to kind of make it work. Okay, you need a bunch of shot creation. You still need rim protection and everything else. But I think having him in the rotation for Miami is absolutely wonderful. I, he, he Those days when his defense looks great, it's fabulous. And he puts out consistent effort. And so, yeah, if the jump shot becomes, if he becomes more confident with it, I think frequency is the big number there rather than the percentage because it's so small that you get a lot of variance in there. But now with this being his third season, A, he's extension eligible this offseason, and B, he's going to be a restricted free agent in all likelihood in 2019. So that's a challenge for Miami. It only takes one team to give a player a high offer, but I still like what he can bring as a piece of the puzzle, maybe a smaller piece than a lot of us hoped he would be when he was drafted. Yeah, if I were the organization, he's the type of guy that I might offer, you know, the Jeremy Lamb type of extension to, you know, maybe a little bit more than that now with the with the higher cap. Does he take that? I don't know. I mean, he was the, the 10th pick. He was talked about as like so being such a huge part of their future. Uh, tough to say there, but you know, maybe the three-pointer continues to come around for him. I mean, that's the that's the number one path. If he, if he can become a solid you know league average volume slash percentage three-point shooter which he's not there yet i know he's shooting 40 percent, but he's not close to there in terms of the amount of respect that he gets the ability and aggressiveness to get his shot off but at only 21 if he gets there and with his defense which is already pretty good his strength switchability you know then you really you, you've got a player you've got a starter you know i think he he at least has a path to becoming a starter it's just with the, his very limited shooting resume to date you know what are his chances of realizing that it's tough to say at this point uh let's hit on some of their minor guys uh let's start with uh udonis haslam uh age 39 all right <laughs> <laughs> hasn't really played much this year but i think i think he could really contribute next year um rodney magruder kind of a lost year for him uh with that foot injury but uh, someone who the heat are very high on but he is age 26 worth noting just a, very quickly uh, you know he's another one of these guys a little undersized to play the three not as strong as someone like winslow not as explosive and harassing as someone like richardson but still a, a solid defensive player plays hard i think he's been more aggressive with the three-pointer uh, this year uh, but overall only 20 
25 attempts uh, in 223 minutes but he has made 40 percent of those still uh, under contract for one more year at the minimum and then will be a restricted free agent after that so certainly a guy where at least another player that you think gives them some depth where maybe they could trade one of these other guys and feel there's not going to be that big of a drop off uh i don't know if he's a starting level of player uh, in the future especially given his age although he has started i know for them but not not the guy you're like oh man this guy is our long-term starter at this position necessarily uh well something i want to mention with magruder that i do really like is that he plays bigger than his listed height yeah and that's i I think some of that strength some of that is wingspan and those players are always just super valuable when they're six four six five because then they have more versatility and i like magruder again as a part of the solution rather than like a key piece in it and at you know uh, he's going to be an older restricted free agent i think that really works to miami's favor next year not this year jordan mickey got time early in the year but he's someone who's really disappointed i thought he was promising early on in his career in the g league but really has never seemed to deliver on that only 51 percent true shooting i mean he's got to be an extremely efficient player around the rim as the start to his game and then defensively really has not been able to be effective uh, and out of the rotation they have a team option on him next year i would be surprised if they were to pick that up uh and guarantee his salary for next year and uh all right who are we going to next year in uh the southeast division i guess it's the magic huh the orlando magic 22 and 51 25th in net rating negative 5.2 25th in offense 25th in defense projected for 26 wins there's a little bit of a stratification so it looks like they'll be behind the top the three worst teams in the ping pong balls and then within that next group they'll be there uh, and do, uh, let's do we got to do like what they are since the last 15 and 62 i think that's important they're two, they're oh, two, and, two and four two and four but two i, I mean four. not not that particular with them but uh Uh, yeah overall yeah Yeah, that's a good point okay so what's concerning with the magic is that they don't have many guys that we could really talk about with this i mean alfred payton is now a phoenix son aaron gordon is going to be a restricted free agent so yeah he's 22 and he so because he was young when he was drafted but gordon is their you know you could say he's their most intriguing prospect i think part of that is because jonathan isaac hasn't played and a question i wanted to ask you because this is something going into synergy a little bit that surprised me is he has been average or below average in terms of transition points per possession. So that's not frequency. It's points per possession each of the last two years. And when you watch Aaron Gordon, you think this is a player who should be on the high end because he's an explosive leaper, a good athlete. And for whatever reason, that isn't there. Is that kind of a magic issue or is there something that you've seen that maybe is a little bit more there? I think it's just that he's shooting a lot of jumpers. I mean, usually when guys have low points per possession in transition, it's either because they're one of the, a point guard who has the ball in their hands a lot. And then, you know, if the ball gets turned over in transition which is actually a higher turnover environment they're the ones to turn it over or because they're just jacking a lot of jumpers and i think that's really been the case for gordon unfortunately that's one thing actually if anyone from synergy is listening to this that we would love is just to break down transition into you know either shots at the rim or jumpers uh but i, I mean I, I think since he's an excellent finisher around the rim uh it's mostly i think the jump shots that, that's leading to that and for gordon you know he started off this season on fire from three I mean, he was shooting 45 percent through a large portion in the year he's uh, had some underrated injury concerns he just came back from a concussion has been dealing with that hip injury as well that really dogged him for a month month and a half and, and he actually you know seems to have a few of those nagging injuries uh, on a yearly basis i think the biggest thing that we need to see more of from him is to really like lock in and be awesome defense and we just have not seen that from him he has not been in a good defensive ecosystem to be sure but you know you just uh, when you watch a magic game you don't really see him make plays defensively
defensively you know he's not coming out of nowhere to make great help plays he's not playing with great energy he's not switching one through four and really causing problems for guys the ho- that was really i think one of the biggest selling points for him when he was taken number four overall in 2014 ahead of some more highly regarded players who also didn't really work out that well uh but and i'm not saying that's a bad pick i think given you know how that draft class has gone it's probably a pretty good pick but he's still uh, and then there's a lot of long twos off the dribble for him again this is a very limited offensive team they've had one of the worst point guard situations in the league they actually i think look better now with peyton gone and they're just playing with tj augustin uh and a little bit of mac as well another concerning thing is that he's just not getting to the rim as much as he had been despite the fact that they've got most baits and they've got vucevic shooting more threes now you'd think he'd have more space there but i think because he's had the ball in his hands more you know that's going to lead to more jumpers and less getting to the rim versus when he was an off-ball guy yeah and in a strange way him being more comfortable with his jump shot is probably doing that because again go percentage of shots at the rim frequency can sometimes be shifted not by taking fewer shots at the rim but by taking more shots other places and you know he early in his career gordon was taking 20 percent of his shots from three this year it's 36 percent, and yes he's making 35 percent after being i think he was in the low 40s early right, this year right yeah i mean he and, was like i think he was like even above 50 percent at one point for like well for, yeah, for yeah. a non-insignificant point. i mean obviously you knew that was gonna yeah go it was out, like but. the first like the first three four weeks of the season yeah. when the magic were had this crazy like high three-point percentage and crazy low opponent percentage we're just sitting there going this is a canary in the coal mine that both of these numbers are unsustainable and it is good that gordon you know he's been effective on the shots at the rim he has taken he's at 70 percent there and when you're an awesome dunker and a, and a good leaper that that's totally fine and you know hey it, i i'd be happy if he was a little bit higher than that but i'm okay with it so yeah i'd be again a player who i think his offensive role if you step that down a little bit would be ben, would be beneficial for him just because get him into get gordon a higher proportion of his shots in places where he can succeed and then maybe that can transition into being a more aggressive defender because i think he has more more value that can, potential value on that end than he does as an offensive player because he's not as comfortable as let's say jason tatum those two players were compared a lot as prospects i don't think he's as capable with as tatum with the ball in his hands oh not even close i mean tatum is better than him right yeah. now I, I would say exactly that's what i mean uh yeah and gordon you know he can't really jump off of one foot which is kind of a problem too he doesn't really get great extension on his finishes you know he's a great dunker um but on non-dunks around the rim he's, he's not as good does deserve credit for the way he's improved his free throw shooting up to 70 percent remember he was i think under 50 percent when he was at arizona so that's uh that's something he deserves credit for but does not get to the foul line as much as, as maybe you would hope uh quick trivia here hopefully you're not looking directly at their basketball reference page who leads the magic in minutes this season everybody on this team has been hurt yeah in an I'm underrated way go. i think that the injuries for them actually have yeah hurt them in an underrated way simmons yes john simmons you you are on point today danny although nothing is ever going to top that six out of 101 that you just <laughs> nailed i mean i guess it's because i was Thank asking you, the Monk. question you probably had like you know you knew it wasn't going to be like less than four and it probably wasn't going to be more than like 15 so you probably you probably had like you know maybe more realistically like a one in 11 chance but nonetheless that was that was extremely impressive uh john isaac uh, has been putting up some numbers in the defensive box score uh, of late for you fantasy dorks but that that means something as well uh, for us real basketball dorks uh overall in the season just uh, we're talking about some of his basic numbers only a 9.1 pr 46 percent true shooting doesn't get to the foul line at all they've tried to give him the ball a little bit more his defensive rebounding has been okay you know you would hope it would be a little bit better but probably the most exciting thing for me that i've seen from him 
7% block rate, 2.9% steal rate, both of which, oh no, actually Biombo is 5.1%, but still, that's for the position that he's going to be asked to play as a power forward, that is really awesome. 4.7% block rate. That probably won't quite sustain over more minutes, but that's really, really good. And he's got that huge standing reach and, and that's why he's so good there. And he's been playing with intensity when on the floor. And I love that from a young a young big. You know, he's Isaac makes mistakes. That's that's a part of the game for a 20-year-old coming out of Florida State. And I love his potential on that end. And his his jump shot is projectable. It's not there yet to be to be damn sure. But as a like you could go back and listen to the podcast we did, and this would be fun. I might actually go back and listen to it with some of these guys. The for uh, for the prospects. I think the reason you and I both really liked Isaac for me it was this pragmatic understanding that he was never going to be a high usage offensive player but I thought he could be effective at what he needs to be able to do and then he can be destructive defensively and while that is probably a low likelihood of being a star it is a high likelihood of being a valuable player to a successful team and the Magic need stars but they also need that kind of role support player as well the big problem for him right now is the jump shot just isn't going in he's got 42 points on 70 jump shots 0.6 points per possession that's awful obviously uh the few times that they've tried to iso him or put him in the post it, it hasn't been effective he has a pretty low release on his jumper you know i think that's especially if he's going to try and work it in the post and he does have the height really there um he still can't jump off of one foot at all still a pretty good leaper uh, off of two feet and that is more important for shot blocking at least and that's why he's been uh, effective there but i think just total inability to get into rhythm offensively you know a lot of that is just due to the ankle injury that he's had so i think you know he's shown some flashes you draft a guy number six you just i mean do you think he is on path i mean it's really almost an incomplete at this point but i think i think the biggest thing that i've just liked to see from him is i've seen him be able to affect a game to some degree defensively play hard he just looks huge out there you know and, and he's around the ball you know i think that's good you know is the offense going to come around you know he's got to be able to make shots and you can say that about all these guys too early to say whether he's going to be able to do that or not but at least and he's got to get much stronger of course too but at the very least to be able to say that he looks like he's got the seeds of being an effective defender uh, you have to say that that's a positive i heartily enjoyed isaac's play in the first quarter of the game against the raptors yes demar Derozan did not play in that game and the raptors rotation was a little bit garbled but isaac was all over the floor defensively and that's exactly what you want i don't know exactly what his position slash role is i'm okay with that you know they're in i think there's a chance maybe that what he ends up being is a starting power forward who can play a little bit of backup five and then if if they end up with personnel that can switch a little bit more aggressively i'd love to see what he can do in that kind of a system and there's a lot of time and orlando has so few set pieces that it can work out and so that part of it is kind of a parallel with john collins even though he and isaac and collins are two very very different players the idea that they haven't been so good that you prevents them from signing from drafting or signing anybody else but that they can work with some intriguing other players but i like isaac's versatility because of his defense more than i like collins's because of his collins's offense wes Windu, uh already 23 out of kansas state another one of these guys with very low usage 11 percent, but still below average true shooting although not as miserable as someone like Dwayne baton 40 49 percent true shooting only taking 19 percent of his shots from three a guy who's kind of one of these skinny long guys could do a little bit with the ball in his hands but not that much only uh eight percent assist percentage and hasn't really done much from a steals and blocks standpoint either especially at 23 still too young to completely foreclose on it but not a guy i think who's done anything this season in his 819 minutes to indicate that he should be
be in the magic plans going forward and someone who can decide whether he wants to be in the magic plans or not uh, because they declined his fourth year rookie option is mario hazonia hazonia has definitely had a better season than last year and a big part of that which is underappreciated is that he's shooting way better from two and the biggest reason he is shooting way better from two-point range is because he's not shooting long twos anymore he went from last year taking 24 percent of his shots from 16 feet to the three-point line that is now down to 12 percent and he's making more of his threes 33% 33% versus 30, but just excising the, the the fat out of that has really helped Hazonia. And playing power forward has certainly helped in terms of, you know, now he has a quick disadvantage on more guys. He's actually making 69% of his shots at the, at or, yeah, 69% of his shots at the rim. That's great. And so I'm, I'm really ex- excited for him being a potential, I don't see him as a starter or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still technically the Archbishop of the Church of Hazonia, but what he has proven this year to a point is that there is an effective offensive player in there and if the three-point shot ever becomes anything close to what we hoped it would be there is a more efficient offensive player there i don't see him as a starter but there are worse options if you wanted just an offensive forward who won't who won't just absolutely annihilate you on the other end all right let's finish up here with the wizards this will be a short one 40 and 32 two and three in their last five games their 1.2 net rating is 13th in the nba the hope is that john wall could return relatively soon here they sport the 11th ranked offense and 15th ranked defense they project for 46 wins which would put them in a tie for fifth with the indiana pacers in terms of the projection but still much to be decided there in the eastern conference going forward they will make the playoffs and let's start with kelly Oubre, whose emergence this season especially in the absence of markeith morris to start the year has been a positive for the Wizards. just having somebody who has a little bit more versatility to their game and can defend both forward positions brings some value. I mean, Ubre this year shooting 37% from three, that's up from 30 and 34% the preceding two years. But what's concerning a little bit to me is that he's kind of swapped that success. So last year he was 40% from mid-range, this year it's 28. So you kind of have this question about whether whether the jump shot is for real or whether this is just, you know, the small sample size theater, one direction and then the other but he has more bounce and i like Ubre. the the he plays aggressively sometimes not necessarily wisely on defense but every team in the nba pretty much needs six foot seven players who can defend forwards and hit jump shots when absolutely necessary yeah i think it's interesting to look at how they've played when he's been at certain positions although actually this is this isn't going to tell us anything i better look at Otto porter instead to, to look at it as a proxy because Ubre is considered the small forward even when he plays with Otto Porter. So probably better to look at Porter to, to get a proxy of when he and Ubre played together on cleaning the glass here. Yeah, that lineup has killed it. And they went to that a lot more. I mean, you remember, I think they started Jason Smith the first game of the year, and then Smith has barely played since then uh, with Markeith Morris out. And with Ubre at small forward, Otto Porter at power forward, plus 11.4 in 1,400 possessions, 11.4 per 100 possessions. So that, that has been outstanding, I think, 
think the fact that those lines have been able to hold up pretty well i think Ubre has shown the ability i think he's a little bit better actually guarding smaller players on the perimeter using his length and quickness he still doesn't have a ton of strength you know if you're going to ask him to guard a lebron james for example he's just going to get totally run over you know he hasn't got that much stronger uh he does have that 7-2 wingspan he'll fly in for some tip dunks he's also improved his right hand uh to quite a large degree i mean he used to be one of the absolute like most left-handed players in the league but he's actually able to like come across the lane and shoot right-handed go to a power move with the right hand um, when he's on the right side uh so we'll see whether the three-point shooting holds up i mean you made that observation that he's not shooting great for mid-range certainly he could stand to excise some of those from his game uh but i do think the three-pointer just looks better looks more versatile so that that's an encouraging sign at least going forward you know do i consider him is that do i think he's going to be a high 30s three-point shooter on a consistent basis the rest of his career i would say probably not but you know if he could become the type of shooter that like a trevor ariza is you know i think ariza is a very interesting analog uh for what maybe Ubre could be someday something that i find really fascinating about the so Ubre porter lineups is that they've defended well those lineups have a defensive rating of 101.7 and a fair portion of those come with markeith morris playing center and you bet your ass there are certain defensive limitations with markeith morris playing center and the offense has been good you know i mean you you would expect that when you're playing those kind of guys on the floor and it's a shame that we haven't seen as much of that and some of that might just be just due to circumstances but i mean you can make a very good argument that their best lineup is wall beal Ubre porter and then somebody at center yeah now we shouldn't go too crazy about these lineups because they are shooting 39 percent from three which i think is actually mm-hmm. the, you know a lot of that is they have more three-point shooters on the floor that helps uh but then opponents are only shooting 29.6 percent from three uh when you've got Ubre at three and and Porter nope, totally sustainable so yeah um so so i mean they're not if they started that lineup you know it wouldn't they wouldn't outscore teams by 11 points 100 right. for an entire year but i i do think it is as you mentioned one of their best looks Let's talk about thomas sadaransky one one of the more interesting players we focus in on him a, a fair amount i think i want to say it was about a month ago uh when liam did them but he's been extremely efficient uh except when he plays the spurs when he somehow went uh oh for eight in that game i didn't see that one unfortunately which i, I would have liked to have seen how they forced him into oh for eight shooting i think they every single one of those shots was inside the arc too which is surprising he's usually very judicious that shows the spurs do a pretty good job of forcing guys into shots they don't want to take uh but overall sadaransky started the season out of the rotation but 62 percent true shooting uh has come on he's usurped tim frazier in the rotation and very low usage so only 14 percent usage so as we said he's very judicious about his shots but he hits a, a pretty decent percentage both from three and at the rim and he's versatile defensively not a stopper at any position but not going to just get trucked either and uh yeah i think he's looking like a solid backup point guard and, and should be a good value they've got him for about three million next season and then uh he'll be a restricted free agent at that point another older restricted free agent this is his age 26 season so he will be have just completed his age 27 season and be restricted nice fit just for a team kind of kind of in a way like what malcolm brogdon's eventual niche might be of what you know you kind of you fit him in where you need to and he just does you know he does well within his limitations sadaransky one of the biggest shifts that happened this year you talked about how he's good at finishing the rim 70 percent this year 47 percent last year that's one of the bigger jumps you can see and and he doesn't take that many shots so it it is uh, an issue where a small sample can change it but also this year it's the same basic story from three 24 percent last year 45 percent this year i think that the truth is somewhere between those two numbers but if it's closer to the high side than the low side then you're in a good place and i think of him 
more as a backup than a starter, but the Wizards have been more successful with him running the show than I ever would have expected. And that's credit to him, credit to their whole team. Yeah, and especially with the way the shooting and the finishing at the rim has improved. Not, and again, it's, his finishing at the rim is, it's more kind of Lonzo Ball in college, judicious, you know, choosing yep. the right options to do it as opposed to, oh man, I'm getting there and just finishing over these amazing contests. But, and in the pick and roll, you know, I think he's not really adequate as a pick and roll option. Only 62 points on 87 possessions and in part because he turns it over 25% of the time because, you know, again, you can just go under on him. He's not going to take the three-pointer off the dribble uh, and he's looking to pass it most of the time. And I think teams understand that at this point. But for a guy who was out of the rotation last year, you know, you have to be, for him to be able to play the type of ball that he's had, keep them afloat without John Wall. I mean, you have to be ecstatic at his development. All right, you remember when we were like, oh yeah, we'll just do all 15 teams this time. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was realistic. Uh, we're like an, two hours in here and, uh, you know, done 16. So I think we could probably cut this off here. We'll do the rest of the East uh, at some point later this week, maybe in conjunction with uh, some other stuff. I guess, you know, since we're doing this though, do you want to just talk about the Steph and Kyrie uh, injuries right now? Maybe we should get those out of the way. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, it's, it's crazy how these two knee injuries ended up with kind of similar timelines. So Steph Curry, I, th- I believe we both thought it was going to be a grade one MCL strain. It is a grade two. And the Warriors have said that he will be reevaluated in three weeks. That would be, first of all, reevaluation and return are two very, very different things. But even a return on the near end after that reevaluation would be very, very short. Kevin Durant missed six weeks and we were surprised at how fast that was. There are, of course, very uh, variations within a grade. And I don't, I'm not privy to any information on, on that sort of thing. You have, that's why the grades exist is to get a good general idea of where it is. And my assumption is Steph Curry is going to miss the first round of the playoffs and he might miss part of the second round. And the big question there, and this is something that those who are familiar with the Warriors, either as fans or critics or whatever, can remember is that, yes, he returned after a grade one MCL strain sprain in 2016, but he never looked like the same guy through the entirety of that playoffs. And I'm sure many are focusing on when Steph Curry will return to the court. I am more interested in when he can be 100% or close to it because the challengers this year are going to be fierce. They are, and much depends on which of those challenges they will face in the first round because they their offense has looked bad without Steph Curry this season, despite the fact that they have Kevin Durant, despite the fact that they have Klay Thompson. The lack of additional shooting uh, has really been an issue, and I think they're going to... You know, Kevin Durant talked about this during the period that Steph was out, that it really the whole system runs around Steph and I think KD is not the off-ball player that Steph Curry is he wants to work in high pick and roll he wants to work in isos on the side I think especially in high pick and roll though with KD I think they're going to just have to do more of that stuff now go away from the beautiful game because they just they don't have the shooting and the spacing we've seen teams now for all those back cuts that they love to do and all that I mean when there's no spacing yeah okay you might beat your man with a back cut but now the help is just standing there under the rim and that pass is not available we've seen teams really when they try to run their split cut action out of the post it's just it's not there because there's so much help available and so i mean depending on the matchup i I wouldn't predict them to lose and then we'll see how they look obviously once kd and clay thompson return we want to see what draymond green looks like uh, as well you know there's talk that he might need offseason shoulder surgery and then he's you know has not been the same player this year uh he's had a lot of nagging injuries so i mean they're going to need those three guys playing a great level the good news is andre iguodala looks a little bit better than he has uh, before the all-star break uh 
so that's been big but they're and they're going to need contributions from quinn cook who now inevitably will be added to the playoff roster probably at the expense of Omri caspi um but they could be vulnerable depending on the matchup in the first round uh so i mean they're gonna have to be hoping that you know a team like minnesota without butler or a team like new orleans or the spurs without Kawhi ends up being that first round matchup uh, rather than oh i mean god forbid okc if you were okc i mean this is getting us out here if you're okc would you consider just like trying to tank to get the seventh seed if you knew that steph wasn't gonna be back it's it's too close to with all the other teams to really maneuver that right now if it comes down to it at the yeah oh at that point yes absolutely i mean especially if you're if you're between the seven and the six you would rather play the warriors if you're gonna have to go through them at some point you'd rather try to go through them in the first round than the second round that's pretty i mean this has been a somewhat of a disappointing year for them if they could beat the warriors in the first round like paul george is probably a lot more likely to stick around and then if you just beat you know the timberwolves or something and then lose the warriors the second round uh, or lose to houston in the second round so and i mean if you're okc i mean it'd be pretty fucking fun to like beat kevin durant and, and i mean if that series happens but the, think of think know. of the downside if they lost though oh my god that would be the, would there be much more yeah, crushing they're, than they're lose ex- they're expected to lose anyway though like i think the upside is i don't th- i don't do you think they're do you think their fans would expect them to lose if they're playing the warriors without steph for an entire series do you think the players on that team would expect it i don't i think they would expect to win they well, would be i think well, they would they consider would, themselves if they would the favorites. expect to win then that's why you would want to tank for that slot right i mean I, oh yeah I, i'm not i'm not i'm agreeing with you uh, yeah. and yeah i mean the, the crazy element of this is so that's certainly a constraint in terms of the warriors i mean my as i've said it's my assumption is you know based on the history of grade two mcl sprains which is something that i am very familiar with having covered this team for years well and, and, and real quickly here kevin durant came back from that grade two mcl and then remember also he pulled his cap and missed you know another and, and then they, and they swept the blazers so really he essentially had eight weeks of return even though it was only six that's true uh but we thought there's no way he's gonna be the same guy off coming off a grade two mcl but he was you know but that was that was incredible that he was able to do that you know so well and and that was that injury occurred a month before steph's did relative to the season you know like because that was shortly after the all-star break if memory serves well and this is a pretty short timeline for a grade two mcl too i mean Woj was talking about maybe right four weeks and like usually it's six to eight i mean maybe the thought is just that with a guy who's not like a big guy might be a faster healer and you know that people are able to come back a little sooner from these than they have been recently but you know that's a pretty short timeline you know i mean you never know and then i mean it's the kind of thing where it's like okay maybe you can bring him back sooner and it'll be okay and like at least i mean the one thing that didn't really suffer that much when steph was out was his three-point shooting at least he can space the floor for everyone else right but then and then you look at defensively if he's gonna have to you know guard in these pick and rolls like a james harden or something uh not get switched onto him that's gonna be an issue as well i mean this is uh i mean let's uh do you think that they are no longer the title favorites now with this news that's an interesting question i mean i think it's really close between them and the rockets because we don't even I, my expectation is not that if the, if the warriors make it to the series that he will be 100 percent. i think he will be curry will be you know he'll be in a good place at that point but he won't be 100 percent. i mean durant is i i think of him as more an anomaly just with how good he looked after that and the rockets are awesome and they need the, and the way their kind of system attacks weaknesses if curry is less than 100 percent defensively they'll go after him and then offensively they you know you have to give curry respect no matter what but they'll attack it so yeah it's it's close i would say maybe the rockets a slight edge but so you so then that the answer to that would then be yes they are not the favorites anymore well and speaking of not the favorites i don't know if you can even make the celtics the favorites in the first round no matter who they play at this point i mean unless irving can somehow 
how return i mean they mentioned the three to six weeks and i think you know a lot of it is you know when you're getting just something taken out i mean you get cut on at least there's nothing that like has to heal other than i guess just the incision here this minimally invasive surgery but so so maybe you can come back a little bit earlier but you know again i've noted that Kyrie is not the fastest healer and so if we assume that he is not available in the first round marcus smart is also probably not going to be available with that that thumb surgery that he had although he did say he was confident he could return for the playoffs uh you know obviously gordon hayward uh he has said that the hope is still there but i don't think there's any chance that, that he comes back he was poorly had a setback jalen Brown at least will be back today from that concussion I and mean, if you've got terry rozier and shane larkin as your point guard rotation i mean maybe they could just somehow grind out some wins against maybe like the heat or something um but i i mean i, I don't see how they could be the favorite in the first round i really don't without smart and without irving they have really worked to get a couple of surprising wins against good western conference teams they beat okc in that crazy game we did the last couple minutes of for the twitter nba show and then they went to portland and somehow beat the blazers i watched a portion of that game but the playoffs you and i have talked about this and we will when you know we're only a couple weeks away from our playoff preview that extreme strengths and weaknesses become a much bigger deal in the playoffs because teams can scout and adjust and so the limitations of terry rozier the limitations of shane larkin become more prevalent and not having marcus smart to be that defensive linchpin is there and in this case because the east is a little bit more stratified i see a much clearer delineation in terms of trying to get to the seven because i mean almost any of these teams i think would if, if we can if we assume Kyrie irving is out of that series and let's say marcus smart is out for at least the first three games i don't know why i'm giving that number but i am then yeah i would say any of the other playoff teams in the east would have a, a significant chance of beating them so yeah you want to get to the seven if you can and if you think cleveland's getting the getting the six or sorry getting the three so if you were the six you'd play them then that's a huge difference in terms of the value and then toronto is the as the eight obviously uh, if then if you face the one is the one toronto has been the best team in the east so far this year yeah and more issues too when you've got Kyrie and smart out it's just you can't really play al horford at center as much anymore you just need him to soak up minutes at power forward the good news is marcus morris has started playing a little bit better for them uh, but I and mean, you just look at some of the offensive ratings of guys like rozier and larkin i mean these are like you know last in the league type of levels and so it's really going to be a struggle for them to score but i mean i think the defense can still be awesome you know maybe that's just you know if they especially if they go up against miami god what a bloodbath that series would be uh with some of the athletes and the defenders coaching it in that series but yeah i mean i agree with you i would clearly the weakest of the top four seasons in the east which are likely to be cleveland philly uh, and toronto so uh, yeah i mean the welcome the the uh the two number two seeds uh, looking a little vulnerable although obviously the celtic much more so uh all right anything we gotta say before we go here i think we've said plenty <laughs> All right, that'll do it. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, Do Another Division. And I want to thank Coca-Cola and Powerade for sponsoring today's program. NCAA March Madness, anything can happen. Loyola of Chicago can make it to the Final Four. Sister Jean, you got to be ready for anything that can happen. And you better make sure that your fridge is stocked by swinging by Walmart before every round. Stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game, it's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart. Pick up Coca-Cola, Coke zero sugar and power it every day our world gets a little more connected but a little further apart but then there are moments that remind us to be more human 
Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.